If you've got a Bible here this morning, um, you might want to open it up to the book of Psalms. That's largely where we're going to be this morning. So you'll find it somewhere right about in the middle of your Bible. If you've not brought one with you, you're in luck. There's probably one under your seat or on the seat in front of you or near to you somewhere. And you can open it up to the book of Psalms. Things will come up on the screen. We're going to be a little bit interactive this morning. Um, Three of you were vaguely excited about that. Um, Yeah, because we're going to be a little bit interactive, should we wake them up, Sam? Should we wake them up a little bit? Let's play you a little video and uh, let's wake people up just a little bit. That'd be great. have that on a Sunday morning, do you? You know I'm a gentle soul normally, but I thought we need a little bit of waking up. Um, New Year's. You've all, been, you've all been partying so much, haven't you? And you're exhausted. Um, you're in the right place. Um, this is a perfect kind of um, exploration in the Bible for uh, the new year. We're starting this series. It's called Soul Detox. Um, and we're recommending there's a book of the same name as you saw by a gentleman named Craig Grishel. Don't ask me how you spell his surname. I think he made it up. Um, but you can find that on the Kindle store or wherever you would normally get your ebooks or in Christian bookshops there and abouts. And we would recommend that to you. You're going to find it really a help to you. You've also, if you're part of our prayer line, you've just received um, the details of a, a Bible reading plan. Um, that we're inviting everybody in the church to join in over these next few weeks. That's just come via WhatsApp. Anybody looking at their phone and they can see it's arrived? Yes, amen. Technology has not failed me. Um, That's really great. If you're not yet part of our prayer line, do please see me afterwards. All the details are on the prayer stations and we'd love to connect you with that. Now you might be looking at me and you might be saying, well, what in the world, Pastor Greg, is a soul detox? Or you might be looking at me, and you might know a little bit of some of how I have described my, you know, um, really blessed and fantastic relationship with food and my not-so-blessed and fantastic relationship with exercise. And you might be saying, who are you to teach us about a detox, Pastor Greg? Is anybody thinking that? Don't raise your hands. Um, Yeah, a few of you were. Um, It's the time of year, isn't it? Christmas has, has been and gone. And all of the things of the season, um, a lot of which seems to revolve around food, or at least it does for me. Um, yeah, a couple of people are shaking, not shaking, nodding their heads at me. Um, and, and of course, January, or is it veganuary? Is that, that's a thing, isn't it? Uh, do, it is a thing. You, I, I know you all conspire beforehand, and you say, when Pastor Greg says, is that a thing, let's all look blankly at him, and then he'll start to question himself. It's a thing. Um, and, and it's a time of year when people, they, they, they go on kind of dietary plans, don't they? Or gym memberships spike, don't they? 
And, uh, and everybody wants to go to the gym for like, like three goes or something. And then everyone keeps a gym membership, convincing themselves that that's the same as actually going to the gym. And people do these kinds of things all the way through the year. What we're going to um, suggest this morning and over the coming weeks is that whilst it's good for our bodies to be healthy, sometimes it's good for our lifestyles to kind of detox some of the things that accumulate or are kind of you know, limpet themselves onto our lives, it's good for our souls to think about how we are, are, are clean, we might want to say, how it is that we're living in the ways of God, how it is that the things that might well have accumulated in our lives or attached themselves to us might be, uh, might be thought about, might, how we might be set free by the grace and the goodness of God. Look, we're going to build foundations today on what it might mean to do a soul um, detox. And again, I'm going to recommend that you have a look at these sermon notes. Um, I don't know how brilliant your brains and your memories are, but I forget most of what I say each Sunday by Monday. And so if I forget most of it and have to go back to my notes, I rather suspect that you will too. Have a look at those notes. They are a bit fill in the blank. Now, some of you will be like, that's really helpful. Some of you will be like, who are you to patronize me, Pastor Greg? Well, just go with it. And um, if it works for you, it works for you. If it doesn't work for you, then cheat and look over someone else's shoulder later. Um, but there are blanks to fill in. This is what we're going to be talking about. Now, we're going to begin with this thought, and it's right there at the top of your notes. We're not a body with a soul. We are actually a soul with a body. That's who we are. Now, why on earth would I say that? Well, partially because that's going to help us to understand why it is we need to invest in the lives and the health of our souls. But also I say that because the Bible really makes that plain. You know, so many of us, when we think about ourselves, we think about what's physical or tangible or experiential first. And then it's only secondarily that we start to think about the things spiritual or the things that aren't so visible. Uh, but if we think about them, we'll recognize they're very, very real. When we come to the end of our days, when we die, we recognize it's actually our bodies that are dying. They're coming to the end of their natural life here on this earth. But our soul lives forever. Our bodies will await a resurrection. This physical stuff is not how it's going to be forever. Some of you might say hallelujah for that, yeah. Um, but the soul is, is, is forever. And God is wanting us to understand that and recognize how then we, we then invest in that. In Genesis chapter 2, it's one of the creation stories in the Bible. There's a few ways the Bible tells us how God created humanity in all of his creation. And in chapter 2, um, verse 7, uh, we're told that this is how it went. And the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground. God took the dust. He took the clay of the earth. He formed this body. And the Bible continues then. It says that God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. It's not the dust of life. It's not the clay or the earth of life. It's the breath of life that God breathes in. The breath, the spirit that God breathes in. This nature of our souls. And the Bible says then, man became a living creature. In some of the translations of the Bible, it actually says, man became a living soul. And the clear emphasis of the Bible is not on the livingness of your body, although it is alive, although the body is something to be redeemed. The body is what God will resurrect, although it will be absolutely transformed. Again, hallelujah. 
But the soul is what seems, what actually, exactly in the Bible, is, is the, the uniqueness of humanity. The Bible is making that emphasis. It's focusing upon this, becoming a living creature, a living soul. We are, quite clearly, both body and soul. But we do ourselves great harm if we think we're primarily a body with some sort of add-on soul that we'll think about when we get time or when we get round to it. We're not that way. It's at the point of the breath of God, the spirit he breathes into the body that mankind, that you and I, we become what we are. Well, why on earth would that matter? Well, because we may well think about the health of our body, but we need to think about the health of our souls. We need to think about where are our souls coming from, where are our souls going to, and what is happening in the meantime talked a little bit about the idea of things that might pollute or kind of attach themselves to you. I was thinking a little bit about this idea. Does anybody here like garlic? Do you like garlic? Yeah? A few of us like garlic. Everyone else is like, does anybody really not like garlic? Some more interesting, oh, yeah, two of you, um, three of you. Um, the rest of you are like, I know my husband likes garlic. I'm not going to say anything. It's just, it stinks. Right? But if you eat garlic, you know how it goes, especially if you eat lots of garlic. You know, you go and you have a meal. It's a fantastic meal. You don't always realize quite how much garlic you've had, do you? And you kind of become immune to it. Is this just me? No, you can't. And you don't really notice. And then you kind of come across somebody else. They've not had the same meal of you. And they're like, what is that smell? Has this ever happened to you? Help me out. <laughs> Has this happened to anybody else? Ever? It does, doesn't it? And, and, if, and if you maybe have like something really garlicky, like, I don't know, like a, a maybe like, I, I can't even think of anything really garlicky, but something really garlicky. It can carry on for days, can't it? Has anyone ever, ever had that experience? You're not admitting to this now. Honestly, I do shower every day. I do, and I brush my teeth and everything, but it just is there, isn't it? No? Okay, well, whatever. You're just all weird, but there you go. Um, it, 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 kind of, it, it just is something that it kind of gets in, and it, it's quite hard to get out. I don't know, yeah, that's just a silly example, but maybe something that's perhaps a bit more um, with an implication, with a, a bit of a problem. I don't know, some of you maybe used to smoke, uh, maybe you've found the ability to come out of that, but smoking, it's one of those things as well, isn't it? Not only does it kind of, it's not something you do in the moment, but it's something that just attaches itself to you, doesn't it? And, you know, you obviously know when somebody's having a cigarette, but you know when somebody has had a cigarette recently, I know people kind of like, they open a window and waft or something, don't they? And, uh, you know, all these kinds of things. But it just attaches itself. And if you visit somebody in their home and they smoke in their home, then there's just that, that air about it, isn't there? I'm not making any kind of judgments. It's just a fact of life. It's just there and it's kind of, it colors the wallpaper or whatever it is. It just affects everything. So it is with the things that, and smoking is a good example, they toxify our souls. Oftentimes, they're things that we just get into the routine, the rut, the ordinary nature of it, and, and we, we just don't really seem to notice when it's becoming a thing that has attached itself to us, and it's not something that was just of the moment, but it's an inescapable reality. You're thinking about smoking. There's such a thing as secondhand smoke, isn't there? We recognize that perhaps in our culture, in the, the world that we live, there are toxic things within our world. And we, we inhabit that culture, much like, you know, a fish doesn't ever wake up in the morning and think, oh, water again. They don't do it, do they? They're just in the water. 
so it is with us in our culture. It's like secondhand smoke sometimes. You know, we might think, well, I'm not doing this or I'm not living that way, but, but the culture, it becomes something that just accumulates and attaches itself to us. We have to recognize that some of these things, they are toxic to us, really unhelpful, harmful to us, even poisoning us in our souls. If we talk about detoxing our bodies, taking care of them, we need to think about caring for the essence of who you actually are. How do you care for your soul? Over the coming weeks, we're going to talk about different aspects of that, different topics of that. Next Sunday morning, we're going to talk about the heavy soul. And the Sunday after that, we're going to talk about the tortured soul. And lastly, we're going to talk about what we're calling the seduced soul. But this morning, we're going to begin in thinking about what we might call the curse of the restless soul. Even as I say those words, I don't know about you, but when I was reading those words and studying those words and seeing how we find these things in the Bible, I could see myself in those words. Anybody else? You ever find yourself in places or cycles or seasons of restlessness? I imagine you do. It's not really a surprise because, again, you know, we talk about the soul being from the beginning part of the created order of God. But we recognize in the book of Genesis, in the, the story of how it is that we journeyed with God, truth is, humanity, we didn't do a great job of it. In fact, we didn't want to journey with God. We wanted to journey our own way, do things according to our own wisdom, be king of our own world. And we see in the Bible how that is a thing called sin and how sin invites brokenness, wickedness and evil into our lives and into this world. The Bible tells a story quite early on in the story of humanity about a pair of brothers, Cain and Abel. And you might know the story. Cain, he becomes jealous of what Abel is offering to God. And uh, Abel's offerings are appreciated and welcomed by God, but Cain's aren't. And his jealousy torments him and twists his soul to the extent that he kills his brother. It's a tragic story. Genesis chapter 4, it, it paints the picture for us. And scripture tells us, what does God say to Cain? In Genesis chapter 4, 11 to 12, it's there in your notes. It says, now you are under a curse and driven from the ground which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. It moves on to tell us, what is the punishment? When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. And then this last phrase is really key for us. It says, you will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Would you say that with me? Restless wanderer. Restless wanderer. That's pretty evocative, isn't it? And it's pretty tragic. A restless wanderer, the nature of what it is to be a human apart from God or not journeying in the ways of God, not resting in God. It is to be restless. It is to wander. And the Bible makes it plain. There aren't middle grounds here. There's not not a third way. It's either to rest in God or to reject his ways, welcome sin, and to live as a restless wanderer. I would suggest to you that so many people got pretty restless souls. Pretty restless souls. It might be that you know you can think about those around and about you have restless souls, but I want to suggest to you sometimes that's us too. 
You know, when we talk about our soul health, what we really need to do is, is stop deceiving ourselves into thinking this is about somebody else. Start to recognize this can be about us. This can be about us. You know, if I were to ask you, does anybody know anybody who is a restless wanderer in their souls? I suspect we'd all put our hands up. If I was to say, are any of us restless wanderers? Maybe a smattering of us would put our hands up. That's a statistical problem. We can't all know somebody who is a restless wanderer and none of us be a restless wanderer. It just doesn't work. The truth of the matter is we need to look at ourselves and recognize that we can get into these patterns, these ways of living that don't help us, are unhealthy. What does it look like? Inwardly being tense all the time. Interested in everything but satisfied with nothing. Finding rest for our bodies, maybe, but never really finding rest for our souls. Anxious, tense, worried, concerns, minds that just don't know how to shut down. Even when you try to rest at night, internally, your soul doesn't rest. But to be honest with you, as I've been reading and preparing to share these messages with you, I see a little more of myself than I'd like to. It's really easy, isn't it, to be overwhelmed by the challenges of life, isn't it? It's easy to, to think, well, there's just so much to do. You know, for me, there are the things of leading and, and pastoring a church and, and being invested in, in the lives of others and seeking the will of God and hoping to lead the church in it. And in this season, trying to assist some other churches in those kinds of patterns. And then, and then you go home and, and there's laundry and there's cooking and cleaning and the kids and there's laundry. Did I mention the laundry? Oh my goodness, it never ends. Um, you know, you can get overwhelmed by these things. It's just the way of it. I, I was reading in my newspaper the other day. Let me get this for you. I was reading about a certain word that describes this time of the year really, really well. It's the word humdudgeon. Have you ever heard this word? Humdudgeon. You might want this in your vocabulary. Let me tell you what it means. It means a bout of low spirits and or imaginary illness that sets in when you remember work exists. And all that those deadlines were only temporarily suspended. Has anybody got a bout of humdudging? Anybody? Yeah, I think a few of us do. It's how it goes, isn't it? After Christmas, after New Year, we are humdudgeoned. And um, it's a pretty terrible thing, you know, being silly. But it's a microcosm of life, of how we can so often get and how we can so often be. A man who probably had, you know, an awful amount of uh, weight upon his shoulders in the Bible was a, a gentleman named King Solomon. He was the king of a nation. That seems a pretty responsible kind of task. But he was speaking the wisdom of God when he wrote um, about this. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 um, says these things. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days, their work is pain and grief, even at night. Even at night, their minds do not rest. That's a pretty pessimistic kind of analysis, isn't it? Whether you would say that that is kind of tilting the balance maybe a little bit too far one way, I think you can certainly recognize that there's an element of truth there, that there's aspects of that. You know you find yourself in seasons like that, toil, 
work all the day, but even at night. The reward is no rest. Come on, be honest for a moment. How many of us, we're often wound up on the inside and we find it difficult to calm down in our souls. Close your eyes, your head hits the pillow and your mind is still worrying about what's to be done, about the things of the day. Maybe you're replaying scenarios. Oh, I wish I'd done that differently or what are the consequences going to be for this or oh, I didn't manage to get to that or the other or the other or the other. And maybe some of you, you're facing um, in school exams and and, and deadlines and pressures and you consume with these things and I don't know whether it's good news or bad news but it doesn't really change when you leave school or university and the, the deadlines can remain and the pressures they can stay these things can consume us how often do we find deep rest God doesn't want us to live this way we recognize our body needs rest. If we don't recognize it, then eventually our body will fall over and tell us that we need rest. How is it that we convince ourselves that our souls don't need rest? How is it that we convince ourselves that we can just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going? And what would really hurt our bodies, we think won't hurt our souls. It will. It will. Every time. Now, I want to suggest to you what we're going to share this morning is not just bad news, but you know, as I often say, the good news is really good news when you know that the bad news is pretty bad news. The good news is there is a place where we can find rest. And this is a Sunday school moment. You know what the answer is. It's Jesus, isn't it? And you know, you might say, well, that's a little easy, Greg. It is a bit of a Sunday school answer. Now, how can we know this is true? Look, I want to suggest to you from experience, and, and, and I know many of us, we can say this from experience, that when we do appreciate the truth of the Bible, the way it leads us, rest ourselves in God, we know this to be true. And it's not just a one-time thing. This is an all-the-time thing. God is a great place to rest your soul. Isn't he the only place to truly rest your soul? Let's look at that for a moment or two. Um, I said we'd be in the Psalms. They're there on, on your sheet as we go along. Where do we find our rest for our souls? Our souls find rest in God alone. Psalm 62 and verse 1, another king, King David, he wrote this. Truly my soul finds rest, where? In God. My salvation comes from him. Inwardly internally in who I am, my essence, who I really am, my being, only finds rest in God. In other words, there's no person, there's no thing, there's no experience. It doesn't matter how many holidays you have or weekend breaks. There's no dream home. There's no accomplishment of tasks. There's no amount of money. There's nothing outside of God that will bring rest to the essence of who you are. Now, you can fool yourselves for as long as you want about that. The truth of the matter is, you know in your own experience that these things do not satisfy your soul. They might be pleasurable. They might be enjoyable. They might even be good things. But they're not God. You're made to satisfy yourself in Him, to find rest in Him. You know, this is something of the ages. King David says it. There it is in your Bible. St. Augustine, he put it beautifully when he said, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, 
and our soul is restless until it finds rest in you. If God has made you, don't you think he might have some wisdom about how you're supposed to live? Don't you think that might be true? None of us made ourselves. He made us. And he made us to to recharge, to rest, to relax, to renew, to be redeemed and remade in him. And all of these things, they don't come about anywhere else or with anyone else. You need God. And he welcomes you. This is really, really good news. Jesus himself, he said it again when he was walking our earth and teaching and, and bringing about the message of the kingdom. Matthew chapter 11 Verses 28 through 29, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Weary and burdened. That's really descriptive, isn't it? It's really descriptive. You, can, you just feel the sense of it, don't you? Weariness. It's something about weariness, isn't it? It's, it's somehow, it's a bit more existential than tiredness, isn't it? You know, tiredness, you know that if you just have a bit more sleep, then tiredness will be dealt with. Weariness, though, I don't know. Don't know about you. You can have like a full night's sleep, but you can still wake up weary. Has anybody ever done that? Yeah, because it's, it's about soul rest. The burden sense of being. Jesus is speaking our language. He's speaking the language of our souls because he wants to give us the answer for our problem. You know, we, we see this in the way that we live our lives. We, we can be so stressed but we find it difficult even then to show love to those who we do love because we're short with them. We find ourselves stretched thin and, and there's just not much left. Have you ever been there? And you, you give and you give and you give and you do and you do and you do and then you find yourself doing what you don't want to do because you've just not got anything left. You can be so amped up, so overwhelmed, so tense and the worry it becomes almost felt then within your body. It doesn't go the other way around. It comes this way around. The anxiety and the tension of your soul then becomes the the tension of your shoulders or your back. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You know about these things, don't you? God has knit these things together, soul and body. But don't fool yourself. It's not from your body into your soul. It, It goes the other way around. And the tension and the anxiety, which becomes the natural state of our souls, works itself out into every part of our lives. And we don't want it to be that way. You can't flick a switch and change it. You need rest in God. So he says, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, heavy laden. What does he say? I will give you rest. I will give you rest, Jesus says. He continues, take my yoke upon you. It's a different kind of yoke, a different way of living. And learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your bodies. Well, not primarily, for your souls. Jesus is getting to the heart of the matter. He's getting to the nature of who you are. You will find rest for your souls in him. I love the way the message renders this. It said, you know, Jesus saying, come to me. And the way the guy who wrote the message, he paraphrases the Bible and says, learn from me the unforced rhythms of grace. I love that. Does anybody love that? Does anybody want some grace at the start of this new year? Come on, put your hands up, you miserable bunch. Does anybody want a bit more grace? 
Does anybody want some more? Anybody? You're sitting down. You can do both legs if you want. You're very welcome to do that. Don't kick the people in front of you. We recognize we need the grace of God. And the wonder of it is that when we start to live according to these rhythms, we find that the, the, the rhythms of our lives, very often they're forced. We try to cram more into the day than can go, more into the week than can go. That's the reason why so many of you, you don't really Sabbath. You're trying to push more in. And you think that productivity is the aim of your life. No, it's not. To be in God is the aim of your life. And he says, there's a rhythm that I know that I made you in. And I invite you into it. Some of you, honestly, have been teetering on the brink of this prayer for some time. But I, I want to pray that you would achieve less. Sound, I, I know you're absolutely hor horrified at the thoughts. Some of you, you're really driven, aren't you? You're type one personalities. So you come from cultures where really the, the measure of a person is, is achievement, accomplishment. It's profit or, or product. I want to tell you that is not the measure of your soul. It is not the measure of your soul. It's not the way that you are made to be. The Bible teaches us that truly, truly fruitfulness flows from resting in God. Jesus says to you, I want to give you fruit that will last. Come on, think about this. How much of what your life is producing will last? I mean, some of it won't even last till tomorrow. Some of it will be gone by next year. All of it will be gone when your life comes to a close on this earth and you go to your Father in heaven. Come on. Wouldn't you want to learn from the one who wants to enable you to be the person he's made you to be? You're like, Pastor Greg, don't pray that I would produce less. I need that bonus. <laughs> Pastor Greg, don't do it. Uh, you can pray against me if you want. I don't mind. I'm just opening up the word of God to you. I'm trying to show you how Jesus wants you to live. The way of health. The way of rest in him. How do we go about this? Just a few practical points. They're from the Bible. I'm sure you're going to find them helpful. Jot them down on your notes as we go along. That, you know, we say, wonderful, sounds great. Coming to Jesus, resting in him. What on earth does that look like? How do I do it? Three things. Um, we want to move away from the toxic practices of our, of our world that says, go, 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 produce, 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 do more, do more, be more, be more, be more, 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 more. That seems to be how the world measures everything. We want to actually just be. <laughs> and the Bible, really, one of the primary and first things that the Bible teaches us is to be still before God. How many of you find it easy to be still? I don't find it easy to be still. They give me this microphone that's attached to my head because they know I'm just going to wander around a little bit. I, I, it's, I, being still, it's just not an easy thing to do, is it really? Psalms 46 and verse 10, the psalmist says, be still. Uh, if you know your Psalms, you'll know that I could have picked probably dozens of places where I could find this sense within the Psalms and elsewhere in the scriptures. Be still, what? And know that I am God. Come on, just for a moment, you can close your eyes if it's less embarrassing for you, but just say this with me. Be still and know that I am your God. You need to reflect upon these things. Rest upon these things. Actually challenge yourself, not to run on and say, well, that's nice, Greg, what's next? Nothing. <laughs> if we're not understanding, appreciating 
beginning here, resting here, knowing this is the reality, the fundamental reality of our lives. Please, there is nothing next. Be still and know that I am your God, says God. There's no other way of really knowing God than beginning here. It's an obvious point, but the psalmist doesn't say, be busy and know that I am God. He doesn't say, fill your diary and know that I'm God. He doesn't say, speak to more people and know that I'm God. Do more things and know that I'm God. He doesn't even say, get invested in more ministry in your church and know that I'm God or any of these kinds of things. It's be still and know that I am God. And we joked, look, it's not an easy thing to do. To stop and to pause and to wait and then to know to know that God is God and you're not, I'm not, he's on the throne. Have you ever been around a kid that won't sit still? Are you that child that won't sit still? <laughs> Do you know that child that won't sit still? If you were like, yeah, it's you, it's you, it's you. <laughs> we reckon, I've got two as it happens. I'm not talking about Erin. Um, I've got kids and they, they won't sit still. It's just constantly on the go, on the go, on the go, on the go, on the go. Unless Judah has come into bed, shoved me over to the side, and then when I have to get up and get about the day, he's like, oh, this is nice, and he stays. This is the one moment that he'll be still when he has got my nice comfy place in bed, and he's like, thanks very much for that, Dad. And, uh, well, yeah, anyhow. We... We're kind of around people like that. Um, there's a part of us that we, sometimes if we're around someone like that, we're just like, oh, please, would you just stop? Oh, please, would you just stop? Just take a moment. Just sit down for a second. Stand still. Be still. Can I say to you, you need to take a moment with your souls like that. Your souls are so restless, you don't really recognize it. I, treat your soul like a three-year-old. Would you do that? Oh, be still for a moment. Be still for a moment. Psalm 131 and verse 2. It makes this really, really plain for us. There the psalmist David, he says, but I have calmed and quieted my soul. We made reference to this as we were worshiping the Lord as we started in our gathering. No one else can do this for you. Look, you know, if you're kind of running to and fro, look, if I see my kids running around and I want them to stop, I can pick them up. I'm bigger than them. I can hold their bodies, kind of. They're wriggly. I can't hold their souls. I can't choose to calm or quiet their souls. I can create a nice environment for them and teach them and lead them and model things for them. But it's going to come to a point where they have to find their rest in God. Have you ever done this? Treat your soul a bit like a toddler. Would you do that? Oh, be still. I have calmed and quieted my soul. Look, this is not, it's not about being lazy. It's not about just sitting back and kind of laissez-faire, nihilism, you know, whatever may be, may be. Let's just be that as it may. That's not what's happening here at all. No, it's about an active discipline to quiet ourselves in God. And it is a discipline. It's a habit that you need to form to reflect upon these kinds of scriptures to craft the space and time within your life to discipline yourself to be still in God you're going to leave here and some of you you're going to be instantly thinking about you know 
I, you know, I joke about my phase of life, about nappies that need changing and laundry that needs doing and all these kinds of things. Whatever it might be for you, you're going to think about the jobs that you need to do around the house, about the shopping that needs to be done, the, the stuff that needs to be prepared for tomorrow's work day. You're going to be thinking about all of these things, or if not, you're going to be thinking about that amazing Facebook post that certainly has suddenly come about on Facebook, and you must go and check it out, or whatever's on Instagram or whatever it is that some of you young people use, I don't understand. Um, but you, you're going to constantly be consumed about what's next, what's next, what's next, what's next. And look, some of these things, they can be pressing. But you need to craft this discipline in your lives. Five minutes. <laughs> be still. And know that God is God and you're not you might say, I don't have time to be still before God. Can we flip that on its head? You don't have time not to be still before God. You need this. Our souls, they're not healthy without this. Our lives, they're not fruitful without this. You don't have time not to rest in God. I joked a little bit about my kids, but would you put that picture up, Sam? My little girl, she knows a little bit about resting. There she is. Recently, I put this picture up because I just wanted to see it again, because I love it. But uh, can you see it? Is it all right? Can you see it? Recently, she's, I mean, she's been quite a mummy's girl. I know everyone says that girls are going to be daddy's girls. I've been basically resenting my own wife for some time now. Um, not really. Uh, but she's been really all about mum. But just recently, she does this all the time. She just dives into me and squidges in. And you know, it's a really good one. When First off, she starts up and she pats me on the back. This is good, isn't it? And then after a little while, she, she burrows her arms in and she just goes in like this. And then mum will come along and she'll be like, come on, let's go. And then she'll look at her and she'll bury down in again. Sorry, I'm burying into Pastor Nick there. but um, She'll just dive in. And she knows that this is what she needs before anything else. This is where she's meant to be before anything else happens. Look, she's going to get active. She's going to get busy. There will be very few other moments that I can get my girl to stop moving or speaking or singing or dancing or whatever it is that she wants to do. Truth is, I don't really want her to stop most of those things. But she begins here. How about you? How about you? Now, I know, you, look, we're just not so good at it. I recently, well, about a year ago, I, I'm due again to go again. I, I, I took a retreat day, 24 hours, where I basically didn't talk to anybody else. Sounds a bit like heaven for me, actually. But um, honestly, I was rubbish at it. I was terrible at taking a spiritual retreat. Because what I thought I was going to do was spend time with God and just rest and reflect in his presence. Do you know what my mind thought we were going to do? Think about everything. Everything. And process everything that I was going to do. And, and the temptation just to do your emails and to plan for this and prepare for that. I was awful at it, which is why I need to go again and again and again and again and get into the discipline of these things we need these things just coming via the, the prayer line right now 
is that the link for an app that's just been released by 24-7 Prayer. It's called Lectio 365. I got into this a bit over the season of Advent. Day by day, you can do a, a daily devotional there, and it's a guided-led devotional where you can get into it. What I've loved the most is I can press play at the bottom and let somebody read it to me. And then there's beautiful moments of music, and I just lie in bed at the end of the day and press play and close my eyes, and sometimes I fall asleep, but sometimes I don't. And I just rest in the presence of God. I need this. You need this. Be encouraged in these things. We rest in God. I'm conscious time is marching on. Isn't that a terrible thing when we're talking about rest? But there's two other things. Because we, 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 we rest in God, be still before God. Why do we do this? Not with goals in mind, but just to wait upon him, to wait for him. Again, let's go to the Psalm. Psalm 37 verse 7. Be still before the Lord Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Who here is brilliant at being patient? No, I didn't expect there'd be any hands. I was going to say, if anybody put their hand up, and who here is also a liar? Just (laughs) Um, It's not something that comes very naturally, is it? Uh, Come on. It's a fruit of the Spirit. I want to remind you, fruits of the Spirit are not skills that you work at or improve at. Fruits of the Spirit are things that flow from trees that are healthy in their God. Okay? Sometimes we read the fruit of the Spirit and we think, oh, I need to work on my patience. Not really. You need to be in your God more and let him work on you, pruning and and training you so that the fruit of patience will flow. It doesn't come very, very naturally for very many of us. Psalm 37 verse 7, we said it, be still before the Lord, wait patiently for him. Oftentimes, our version of this is, God, give me patience and give it to me now. Has anyone ever prayed a prayer like that? You know, God, I want these things of your character. Do it yesterday. And God's like, have you figured out what you're praying? That's not how it goes. We need to wait upon God. Take time. That app that I've just sent to you, if that's helpful to you, rest in God with these things. The, the, the Bible reading plan on version. Use those devotionals to rest in God. Psalm 130, verses 5 and 6. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchman for the morning. There's two things about that sense, that, that image of a watchman waiting for the morning. One is the obvious expectancy. I don't know, some of you, I think, work nights. And... Um, you know, I, I, I haven't had really to do that, but when I kind of served in different ministry things during the night, there's a sense whereby you're pretty good for a while, but then there comes a point during the night that you're like, yes, I need the morning to come. Anybody? Yeah, and you're a bit like, it needs to finish now. Uh, lots of medical professionals and social care and all these kinds of things, and you're like, morning, please. So there's that longing, that, but, but also, I don't know about you, but I have noticed over my 40 years on this planet that morning, I think, I think I can say 100% of the time, has followed night. Has anybody noticed this? Morning, ten, it happens, doesn't it, after the night? Uh, yeah? Some of you are thinking, it sounds like a trick question. It's not a trick question. It just does. So you can long for it, you can wait for it, but you expect it, because it's going to happen. 
And the Bible is teaching us if we're longing for God and waiting for him, he will be present. He will be there. Just like morning follows night. Longing, certainly, but faithful expectancy with certainty. This is what the Bible is teaching us. Wait patiently for God. He's truthful and trustworthy. And lastly, just take a moment to reflect on God's goodness. So we've had, we've had be still before God, wait for God, and now reflect on God's goodness. I've said it already, in stillness and waiting, so often we're tempted to think about what needs to be done, what needs to be attended to. Come on, let's just set those things aside for a moment. Let's think upon the things that God has done and who he is. Psalm 116 will help us here. Return to your rest, my soul, or be still once more, O my soul. For the Lord has been good to you. I love this sense of addressing your soul, talking to your soul. Does anybody else like this? I know my soul needs a good talking to from time to time. You talk to it. Be still once more. Return to your rest, O my soul. For the Lord has been good to you. And, and we reflect upon it, verses 8 and 9. For you, O Lord, have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. We can reflect upon the things that God has done in our lives. That's why we shared communion before. That's why we encourage one another in these things. Remember what the Lord has done intentionally, purposefully, stopping, being still, waiting on God, reflecting on what he's done, reading about scripture, about the things, the stories of Jesus, the way that he has worked his grace, reading these Psalms. Go, go home, read these for yourself. Consider what God has done. It's as true for you as it was for them. Consider these truths in your life. Patiently wait for God. I've said it a few times, but we are not him. We need to remind ourselves he is the eternal one. He is the uncreated one. He is the most high. He is the alpha and omega. Jesus is the savior of the world. He is your redeemer. He is your healer. He is the coming king. He is the one who grants you breath this day and every other. He is the sustainer of your life. None of these things are dependent upon you. They are all him. And it does your soul such good to realize that your life does not depend upon you. It depends upon him. You know, you convince yourself that if I don't, then this. If I'm not, then that. The only place that that makes sense is resting in God. If we don't rest in God, then our souls accumulate these toxins that the weariness of the world, if we don't make this time and space to rest in God, then the burdens will be too much for us. We need to rest in him. God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God says that. But how often do we put our voice into that and say, I know the plans I have for me. Come on, come on, come on. Surrender your day, week, month, year, 
life to him. Craig Grishel, who has written that book, Soul Detox, I recommend you get. He, he says something like this. He says, um, he's convinced that our spiritual enemy, Satan, if he can't make us bad, he's going to make us busy. I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. If he can't make you bad, and I pray he can't, then he will try and make you busy. Distract you, weary, burden you, worry you. Now look, we're going to do a couple of things as we draw to a close. And perhaps the band would come because they're going to lead us in worship. At the close of our gathering, we have an opportunity to bring our tithes and our offerings at the beginning of this year and commit ourselves that way into the ministry and the mission of the church. It's a good thing to do, a wonderful thing. I know I say that and you already start getting distracted about doing that. Let that come when it comes. I know you're going to do it, that's fine. But right now, would you close your eyes? Could you do that? And um, look, there's a couple of things this morning. I want to first perhaps begin for those of us here in the room. And maybe we've never known or heard or understood before that we were made by God and for God. And we're made to find our rest in him. And that our souls, our lives, our being, it will be restless until we find our rest in him. Maybe this is news for you this morning. You didn't know that before. You didn't know that Jesus has made a way for you to rest in God. He's paid the price for all of our wrongdoing. He's made a new, a living way that is something we could never make for ourselves, but he's made it for us. You know, we talk about this being the way of salvation, the way of new life the good news of the gospel of Jesus. Look, if this is brand new for you today, then I, I would love to invite you to rest your soul in God for the first time. Maybe you've attended church before, but you've never known what it is to rest your soul in God. And so maybe it's for the first real time today. And if that's you and you're here this morning and you say, yes, I want for the first time, for the first real time, for my soul to find rest in God. I'm willing to surrender it, hand it over to God, my life in his hands. If that's you today, heads are bowed around the room and eyes are closed, but so that I can acknowledge you and pray with you, I'd love for you to do something really simple but really powerful. Lift up your hand and wave at me and do it right now. And you're saying, I want for my soul to find rest in God. And That's great. I see that hand down the front and one in the middle. Is there anybody else? You want to find your rest in God and you know that you need him more than anything. Is the hands at the back there as well? That's wonderful. I'm going to pray for you too as well. That's great. We find our rest in God. Is there anybody else? I'm going to ask one more time. You've never found your rest in God. You've never placed your soul in his hands. If you know you need to and you want to, wave at me right now and I'll pray for you with these other four. There, that's great on that side. Wonderful. Lord Jesus Christ, I want to pray for these five folks who've lifted their hands to me. And they're saying for the first time, or the first real time, they place their souls in your hands. They know that you are the one who will satisfy them. And maybe they only know it just in, in its inkling, in its beginning, but God, I thank you that you will do exactly that. And you invite them into this way of satisfaction in you, of resting in you. I pray, Jesus, that they will know what it is to give up all of the ways that we, we know are ways of sin that would lead them away from you. Lord Jesus, renew them in yourself. 
Lord Jesus Christ, make them new in this way of rest in you. Do this wonder, God, for your glory and for their good. Amen. Now, can I urge you, church, keep your eyes closed and your head bowed. You might say this morning, well, I have rested my soul in God. Once upon a time, I did that. I know that he's my salvation. And praise God, I'm glad that you do. I'm conscious this morning that sometimes we, we drift from that way of life into the ways that we have understood from our world or, or the ways of, of guilt or shame or, or the ways where we want to, to make ourselves in our own image rather than being in the image of God. This morning we have an opportunity to be intentional, active in choosing to wait upon God. To, to say, yes God, I will calm and quiet my soul in you. Our church, I want you to respond to God this morning if you're willing. And to do so in a really simple way again. It's not fancy so much, but it's simply to say, speaking to our souls. Soul, this is how it's going to be. I'm going to rest and calm myself in God. I'm going to choose these simple, practical ways to renew myself in my Savior. And to say to God, please God, would you forgive me? having a wrong idea, a wrong view of myself, of my life. Lord God, would you welcome me in your rest, renew me, strengthen me in you. If that's you this morning, then I just want you, in response to this, to stand to your feet. If you're saying, yes, I know I need to rest myself in God. Maybe it's something that you need to start again in this brand new pattern. You're recognizing things have gone really wrong. Or maybe you're saying, well, you know, things aren't too bad. But I simply want to affirm, I want to find my rest in God. So if that's people here this morning, if there's anyone here today who says, I want to rest in Jesus, look, you don't have to be saying, I've got a problem. If you're saying, I want to rest in Jesus, I'm making this statement, this confirmation, this affirmation that my soul finds its rest in God alone. If that's you here today, then stand before the Lord. This is not... This is not a sign of, oh, I'm so messed up. This is a sign of saying, I need Jesus. I want Jesus. I'm made for Jesus. Thank God that he has made a living way for me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord God, I pray for those who are standing here to their feet today. Lord Jesus, there are some amongst us today and we're feeling pretty broken, truth be told. We're weary, we're burdened, we're laden down and there's no rhythm of grace in our lives. But Jesus, we're standing before you in faith, maybe a little bit of desperation, but in faith too. And we're saying, Jesus, make us new. Rescue us, God. Would you do that? You're really good at it. And there are others here amongst us and, well, you know, perhaps it's not a moment of desperation, but it is a recognition. We're in a rut of living according to the ways of this world. And we're saying, truth is, they're toxic. We need to detox, God. Lord God, at this moment, would you renew within us those rhythms of grace? Lord Jesus Christ, would you prompt within us this way of living, God, and of loving you, of honoring you, Lord Jesus Christ, and saying we know we need to be in you. Would you help us in this, God? Jesus, help us to help others too know those around us and they're, they're wrestling, they're struggling, interested in everything but satisfied by nothing. Jesus, help us. Help us, Lord God, we pray.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We'll worship God together, shall we? The offering will be received. I'll remind you tonight, we have an opportunity to do exactly this. Rest ourselves in God. Celebrate his goodness and pray and seek him. Simply that, I'd encourage you to be here. God bless you.